Not that it's any of your business, Mr. National Enquirer. But I had the pleasure of spending a quiet evening in the company of Connie Swale. Wait a minute. Connie Swale? Don't you mean the virgin Connie Swale? Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the shenanigans. It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new people. The disappointment. That's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And the self-confidence. I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And B-Rad. And today we honor two more underrated movies that just turned 30. Thank God it's Friday! Don't forget you can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media Mobile app. Uh, Brad, movies that turned 30, so that puts us back in the year 1987. 1987. So we're both Long in college. Ago. We're both in yep. college. I know we started this it's series time. We uh, we started this series last month. I think we you honored Tin Man and I honored Blind Date. And the whole point of this series is to kind of like shine a little spotlight on some of the movies that maybe didn't get all the headlines or the box office action at the time. I mean, we still love them. We, you know, most of the times we've yeah. seen these, but but they're just not name checked as much as you'll remember um, them, but you haven't really thought about them much. Exactly, exactly. And so, I mean, to, to make our point even more clear, other movies that turn thirty in June include uh, The Untouchables, Spaceballs, uh, Harry and the Hendersons, Predator, and of course Benji the Hunted. We have a three parter coming up on that, right? Yeah. Well, the whole the whole Benji uh, franchise, really. Oh, so good. So good. You got uh, suckered into going to some uh, Benji movies when you were younger, didn't you? I'm sure I saw at least one or two Benji movies. Oh, yeah. my you, you, Hey, you get to go to the movies. Like, okay. Well, you know. I, yeah, and I had a younger sister, so it was kind of like and, – and my parents were kind of like, well, we're going to go see family-friendly stuff. I mean, they didn't take us to see – You didn't go you see know. Lethal Weapon as a family? No. no. <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember the first time we ever saw a movie together that may have involved sex or it might have been – or even bad words. It might have been meatballs, and we saw it on VHS. Oh, and, nice. Um, my grandmother was actually there with us just at the time. doesn't matter. It was awkward. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It does okay. matter. <laughs> so anyway, we have one. We each have one movie today. Um, we'll each honor our movies. We have some quick seggies, and uh, we'll call it a day. So, Brad, what is your underrated movie uh, from June 1987? My Underrated movie based on the classic Jack Webb television series. I give you Dragnet. Any idea where this Samuel Musk could be right now, friends, family? Nah, he was alone. Uh, took off in the middle of the night. Useless scum lapping shitbag. Just the facts, ma'am. He leave anything else behind? Yeah, tape deck, which I had to sell to make up for the lost friends. So there's nothing you can do about it, you slimy little jizz bucket. Yes, ma'am, although I should point out to you that technically you could be cited for swearing at us like that. Says who, flathead? 
Says the California Penal Code, Section 314.1, covering obscene live conduct in public. Good enough for you, lady? I love this movie, and yet when people talk about Tom Hanks movies of the 80s, this one rarely gets name-checked. Yeah, and and he he really helps kind of hold this together. Um, it's I was going to talk about the cast later, but let's just open with that. I, I think the casting is really good in this movie. Uh, Dan Aykroyd plays Joe Friday, who's actually in the in the script. He's the nephew of the original Joe Friday. Nice. Uh, there's an there's an acknowledgement of that. I sit at the same desk my uncle sat at. Blah blah blah. Uh, <laughs> and he plays it like so straight, like it's exactly the Jack Webb character, like the rapid fire, like let me quote some regulations to you, son. So you know, an hour and forty five minutes of that is gonna get pretty old. Uh, Tom Hanks is post bachelor party, but pre big. And so he's not quite, you know, capital T, capital H, you know, writing notes to his fans on his typewriter collection, Tom Hanks yet. Uh, and he's, he's the wacky, he's the wacky in this movie and he's good. He's, I think he, when he gets a little space to work, he's really funny in this movie. Uh, but it's, you know, it doesn't always happen. Harry Morgan is back from the TV show. He's reprising his role as Bill Gannon. Now he's a captain. And Alexandra Paul plays uh, the love interest, Connie Swale. Uh, you might remember her from Baywatch. Personally, I remember her from American Flyers. I love that movie, too. Oh, yeah, so good. And and then the other kind of the, the foils, which are just really well done. Dabney Coleman plays Jerry Caesar. He's kind of like a Hugh Hefner, kind of Larry Flint, smut king kind of guy. Sure, I who, yeah, <laughs> he's so good with a lisp and surrounded by you know like every woman in this house is wearing a bikini and high heels. Uh, you know they're out in the driveway when they when uh, Joe Friday and and Pep drive up to the house. <laughs> women on the driveway in bikinis and heels playing frisbee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like what? Uh, and then Christopher Plummer, who is kind of slumming in this picture, uh, is the Reverend Jonathan Worley. Uh, and he is, uh, he's, he's the head of like kind of a moral majority type group called mama, uh, the uh, moral, moral advanced advanced movement of America. America. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, so but you know I what else those. he's in charge of Steve? You know what else he's in charge Pagan. of people against That's goodness right. and normalcy. Yeah. I love um, It's amazing what you do remember 30 years later. Don't forget your goat leggings. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. loved it. It just it's it has some very silly moments. It, it's a little uneven, honestly, but but I think it's pretty funny uh, when they give it a little space. Uh, it's directed by Tom Mankiewicz. It's his first role as a director. Um, probably better known as a writer. He wrote several James Bond movies. He worked on Diamonds Are Forever. He worked on Live and Let Die. But he also worked on Superman the movie. He did a major rewrite of that. Apparently, before he got involved, the script was 400 pages long. Wow. Richard, Richard Donner was like, I, this isn't – it's just not doable. I can't make that movie. Um, but he also worked on Lady Hawk, and he did some kind of script doctor work on War Games and Gremlins and some other things in the 80s. Now, how did Dan Aykroyd get involved in this project? So Dan Aykroyd, as it turns out, he's always been a huge fan of Dragnet and Jack Webb. And he has said, you know, I think that Joe Friday is the second most – you know, well-known cop in the world behind Inspector Clouseau. Uh, it was a project he'd always wanted to do, but he didn't know who had the right, so he didn't really know where to start, uh, even looking to see if he could get attached to any project that might come up. But then Universal approached him and said, hey, uh, do you want to do this 
uh, do you want to do this script? And so he's like, yes, absolutely. You know, I, I want to be in it and I want to help write it. So he, he's one of the three writers on it, but he also obviously is a main character. He likes that character, I think, a lot. Well, and, and it shows in the one scene uh, that we all remember when uh, when Accord and Hanks meet Daphne Coleman at his uh, palatial estate. Um, because his uh, run of his magazine, uh, which is, what's it called, Bait, Bait, <laughs> has been stolen. <laughs> the twenty so fifth anniversary edition right. of Bait. So they, so they show up, and we get this memorable scene. Yeah, it's about time. I called you cops three hours ago. Yes, yeah, sir. My name's Friday. This is Detective Strebeck. Could you please describe what's missing? Well, how about the entire run? That's Every single copy of our 25th anniversary WSU of Bait. Bait. Yeah, it's his skin magazine. You say the intelligent subscriber regards it as a politically oriented, socially impacting monthly. I'm not going to allow a gang of cement heads to intimidate me just because I refuse to publish their stupid manifesto. Would you care to tell us a little bit about that? Well, here. Read it for yourself. Manifesto of the International Brotherhood of Pagans. We believe that bad sex and good drugs are the cornerstones of a great democracy. The peak of pornography... I think we get the general idea, Strebeck. My publishing company is not a private platform for any bunch of yahoos that just come along. I don't care how many copies they buy. Just because they got First Amendment rights, that doesn't mean I have to publish their junk. I've got First Amendment rights, too. Look them up, Friday. I don't have to look them up, mister. I can quote them to you. Anyhow, how much do you figure a monthly run of your magazine is worth <laughs> well let's just say it's more money than you'll ever see in your life and i do that every month at least my money's clean well, i'll tell you what you do friday before you go home and start polishing your pennies why don't you go out there and get my magazines back on the stand where they belong listen hotshot i'm going to tell you something right now i don't care for you or for the putrid sludge you're troweling out but until they change the laws to put you sleaze kings out of business my job's to help you get back your stench ridden boxes of smut and since i'm going to be doing it holding my nose i'll be doing it with one hand that sums up the character. Uh, the only question I have for you, Steve, do you think it's jail or master? What? Oh, <laughs> I still, what? <laughs> Maybe some of both, Steve. Maybe some of both. Uh, clearly, my mind is not corrupt enough to, to understand the question you're asking. That's hard to believe. That's the case. Um, so yeah, like I said, I think casting is really good in this. Um, it did really well at the box office, honestly, for kind of a, what is essentially by the numbers comedy, buddy comedy, um, top 20, uh, for 1987, right behind throw mama from the train, which I think is really quite good. Critics didn't much like it, but it was, you know, it was a summer, it was a summer movie. You went and saw it. It made, you know, 40 something million dollars. So <laughs> I, okay. I, I must be slow. I finally get the joke now. Okay. I'm okay. sorry. Okay. okay. I'm sitting here. You're talking and I'm not thinking, I'm not even listening to what you're saying. I'm sitting there going jail or master. I don't understand. <laughs> it's a little lowbrow for me, but I thought uh, I'd go that's there. what I, that's what caught me off guard. I'm sorry. That's more like a Spearsonian joke, but uh, yeah. I appreciate well, it for uh, do you know who worked on the on scoring and music for this? No, not a clue. A young man by the name of Ira Newborn. You might have heard some of his work on, say, Sixteen Candles, Ferris oh. Bueller, Weird Science. He did a lot of work with John. Okay, Miller. so yeah. there's so the the eighties uh, gene pool is deep. 
on Dragon yeah, Hat. And, and I think that's kind of what saved it because if you read this, you know, if you read the premise, you're like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? This just sounds so silly. And, and it is silly in types, but that's okay. It's funny. It, but, I think it's got a lot of heart. And like I said, I think it's got some great individual performances. Um, Ackroyd is really good at it. I think that uh, Tom Hanks, you can see Tom Hanks about to burst out and become the Tom Hanks that we know. Here's the point I would make about this movie. This movie in the 80s is exactly what we're kind of seeing happen again today. You have a comic movie remake of a of a drama TV show. And you're, oh, you're yeah. seeing it happen today. I hadn't with, really thought about it that way. With Chips and 21 Jump Street and Baywatch. So, and none of them, none of them, for the most part, well, 21 Jump Street was kind of a I, mean, I think the critics sort of tolerated it. it, it got 21 Jump Street, I'm sorry, 21 Jump Street is hilarious. Yes. Yeah. It's I mean, way funnier than it has any right to be. Right. But I'm saying, I mean, generally speaking, those kind of things don't do well with critics because they, yeah. what they're looking for is you know a little bit of more originality. Right. And so when all you're doing is remaking something and making it funny, you're going to lose points with the critics right off the yeah. bat. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I mean unless I'm All you're wrong, doing is riffing on someone else's work. That's not really <laughs> – critics aren't going to love that. So that's why they always review the Stuck in the 80s podcast so harshly. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of riffing on somebody else's work – my movie does that as well. What? I take you back to June 1987 and the movie Roxanne. It's hypnotic, isn't it? It's huge. It's enormous. It's gigantic. And they said it was big, but I didn't expect it to be big. Want to shoot some pool? Huh? Come on, rack them up and play a game. Let's go. Uh, aren't you going to kill me? The, the guy said that... Oh, ordinarily, yeah, but not today. Why not? Because yesterday, she didn't. But today, she does. Huh? Oh. Mmm. <laughs> Roxanne was released on uh, June 19th, 1987. <clears throat> it's based, as most people probably have guessed, on the play Cyrano de Bergerac, which, which was written back in 1897 by, oh the, my gosh. by the French poet Edmond Rostand. Rip off! Edmond Rostand, he was a genius. Steve Martin actually wrote the screenplay to the movie. Oh. Um, he later would say that he'd seen Cyrano uh, performed as a play when he was about 12 years old, and he found it to be, quote, flawless in its uh, story and structure. Um, and to him, it seemed like the perfect story to update. But obviously, instead of basing it in the uh, 11th century with sword fights and monasteries, uh, he created a fictional small ski town and set up the same love triangle there. Um, and obviously, so the story goes, you know, uh, a beautiful new girl moves to town, immediately draws the attention of the town's fire chief, played by uh, Steve Martin, and a visiting ow, firefighter, ow, 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 ow. Uh, played by Rick Rosevich. Um, Martin, of course, plagued with the huge nose, can't, uh, <laughs> can't summon the confidence to ask her out before she uh, falls for the beefy firefighter, 
who's all muscles and no brains. So Martin, nice guy that he is, helps his friend out by giving him all the lines he would have liked to have used himself on Roxanne. And of course, in the end, the ruse is up and Roxanne realizes she's actually in love with the man who wrote all the prose. Uh, and everything ends happily ever after. Um, Can I fluff your pillows, Steve? <laughs> if you think the story itself is the only thing that's borrowed from Edmond's play, um, then you're not really paying attention. Uh, Martin's character's initial, his character's name C.D. Bale. That gives him the same initials, uh-huh. C.D.B. as Cyrano de Bergerac. Uh, Roxanne, the love interest, who is played by Daryl Hannah. That's the same name, slightly different spelling as the heroine in the play. And uh, Rick Rosevich's character is named Chris, which is a nickname for Christian, the name of his character in the original play. Oh, cool. Uh, where do you remember Rick Rosevich from, Brad? What movie pops to, to your mind? You know, it's this and Top Gun. That's the only <laughs> thing I can think of. There's even a Top Gun joke in there for the hardcore fans, if you pay attention. His character can't remember Roxanne's last name, which is Kowalski. So he says, uh, so he says her last name is Kazansky. Who's Kazansky in, in uh, Top Gun? Uh, is it Iceman? It's Iceman. That's Iceman's real name. Check it out. I know. It's, I, I really like those, the little attention. Like that's not a over nice the top. touch. Yeah, not that's over a nice the top. Touch. CD Bale. Yeah, I, until I was like doing some research on this movie, I didn't. I had not caught up on any of those little touches. I mean, obviously Roxanne was pretty obvious, but yeah. Chris being this movie pointed right at you too. You know, you got a little bit of a mopey main character. <laughs> He's got a part of his body that's very huge. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's a hazard to navigation. Yeah. In the men's room. What I like about this movie, it's perhaps the first time we see Steve Martin in a more straightforward, uh, complete type of a character, not just a slapstick comedian turn actor. Um, yeah. The movies that come before this one, uh, Three Amigos, Little Shop of Horrors, All of Me, The Man with Two Brains. Oh. Um, Love that. And if you think of the movies that follow Roxanne, you get Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Parenthood, Father of the Bride. So again, this sort of opens the door for him to like take on, you know, more complete characters. Yeah, a, a little more, a uh, little more substantive work. Although, where does My Blue Heaven fall in? Uh, uh, it's about the same time. I think it's about the same time. It's about the I same love time. That movie. I love that I know. Movie, I know. We're not going to talk about that today. I'm Arugula. Sorry. It's a vegetable. It's a vegetable. <laughs> he invented the rotary engine. I wish that was an '80s movie so we could talk about it. Is it, all it the not? Time. I would have like a three-part series. No, it was like 1990 uh, or 91. Curse you, calendar. Sorry. I mean, at some point, we're going to have to expand our our. Uh, our, uh, you know, our purview, the starting point, the ending yeah. point of the eighties, yeah, so that we can tackle like my blue heaven, hunt for an October, uh, stuff like that. Even meatballs is technically yeah. nineteen seventy. Well, anyway, so. back to Roxanne. I'm sorry, Mister Sidetracker here. Yeah. Anyway, so like uh, like your movie, this was nominated for a major award. Um, it was nominated yeah. for a Golden Globe. Uh, Martin got the Steve Martin got the nomination. He did not win. What? Um, he lost out to any guesses? Oh gosh! It is not the answer. Is obviously it's not, not Dan Aykroyd Tom Hanks or Dan Aykroyd. Uh, no, I had no clue. Uh, Drawn a complete blank. Robin Williams for Good Morning Vietnam. Oh yeah, yeah. Critically acclaimed so, and funny. There's one scene that I think a lot of people remember uh, really well from this movie, and um, it's when Martin Steve Martin is in a bar and a guy says, "You know, 
nice nose to him. Right. And basically, Martin says, that's the best you can do. You know, I can come up with at least 20 jokes that are funnier than that about my nose. And then he proceeds to do so. And we get this comedy moment. Well, here we are. Just the three of us. <laughs> All right, Delman, your nose was on time, but you were 15 minutes late. <laughs> Envious. Oh, I wish I were you. Gosh, to be able to smell your own ear. <laughs> Naughty. Uh, pardon me, sir. Some of the ladies have asked if you wouldn't mind putting that thing away. <laughs> Philosophical. You know, it's not the size of a nose that's important. It's what's in it that matters. <laughs> Humorous. Laugh and the world laughs with you. Sneeze and it's goodbye, Seattle. <laughs> Commercial. Hi, I'm Earl Shive and I can paint that nose for $39.95. <laughs> Polite. Uh, would you mind not bobbing your head? The uh, orchestra keeps changing tempo. <laughs> A lot. Everybody. He's got the whole world in his nose. Sympathetic. Oh, what happened? Did your parents lose a bet with God? <laughs> Complimentary. You must love the little birdies to give them this to perch on. <laughs> Scientific. Say, does that thing there influence the tides? <laughs> Obscure. Whew. I'd hate to see the grindstone. <laughs> well, think about it. <laughs> Inquiries. When you stop and smell the flowers, are they afraid? <laughs> French. Say, you see, if pigs have refused to find any more truffles until you leave. <laughs> Pornographic. Finally, a man can satisfy two women at once. Yeah, that's a great clip, and and it's it's plays to his strengths, right? As a, as a stand up guy, um, he gets to do a little bit of stand up there in the middle of the movie, and and in character. Well, and what's funny is one of those lines is straight out of the play. He he loves the birdies so much he gave him this to perch on. Oh yeah, it's straight from the play. Oh nice. Um, and when you watch the TV version of this movie, which, by the way, another point that can be made about this movie, it is never on cable. It's never on TV. Um, you never get a chance to see it. If you want to see it, it's on Amazon. Yeah. But um, um, when you watch – if you watch the TV version, they edit out some of his jokes in the 20 nose joke <laughs> routine. Oh, so there are less than 20? Well, there's actually like close to 24, 25 anyway, because he loses oh, count okay. and he actually says 24. He 25. just keeps going. But the one, the one they censor out is the one that when he says, finally, a man who can please two women at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> you know how we can please all of our listeners at the same time? Uh, by wrapping up the show early. <laughs> the Seggies. the mystical refrain that is I want my MTV i.e. I want my music TV theme song which still after doing this five or six times still comes out awkward Uh, it's in its adolescence here's a little behind the curtains uh, fun for you guys Uh, we were actually supposed to have this segment in the last show and I had it written down like I want my MTV and I even went through the whole introduction to I want my MTV and then it said winners dot 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 
because I'd never taken the time to actually just write with, down all the winners. Neither of us had gone through and checked them, checked the winners. Yeah, it was just, it, I knew there was going to be a lot, and I just, or I did it, and I wrote it at work, and I was at home, and so consequently, we 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 had to cut this segment from the last uh, podcast. But uh, I should have just basically said nobody got it right, so here it is again, and people would have went nuts people because would have freaked out. <laughs> that would have been amazing because we had about like twenty people get it right, so it's just yeah. like. I should. I was thinking about that this uh, morning. That would have been funny. I was editing the the last week's show this morning, and I thought about that. And I thought, oh my god, that's what I should have done. But I just, I must have been Logie or something. Anyway, you know the drill. We're going to play a piece of a theme song from an '80s TV show. If you get it right, you're entered into the drawing for a um, stuck in these bottle opener. Here was the last time we did this segment, and it was all too obvious. Yep, that's Simon and Simon. Brad, did you ever watch this show? Uh, no, I don't think I did. I don't think I did either. Uh, apparently, I watched frightfully little television in the 80s. Like, we talked like, about yep, this. Never seen that. No, never seen that. Yeah, I don't know. We've, we've 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 talked about this before because it's like we were out doing things. I mean, movies you could watch during your downtime whenever you wanted to on VHS, but TV shows. I mean, I guess we could have taped them. It just never occurred I'm to just, me just sit home I'm and just watch. A terrible human being. I'm a terrible human being. Yeah, we had jobs. Anyway, uh, read the winners. Take a deep breath. Or- uh, the other thing is, even the shows I did watch, like when you play a little snippet from it, it could be anything. Like I don't remember yeah, that. Burn I mean, yeah, I remember. I remember popular music. Like I can pull that stuff out of the archives really fast, but this stuff I just didn't save it. You know, it's not in the not in the brain. So anyway, the people who know this stuff, my hat is off to you. You your brain works differently than mine, and I'm impressed by your abilities. This week's winners include Bernie the Dutch under Lindemann from Sydney, Australia, Ryan the Pirate, Joseph Purdue, Mike Z in Maryland, Jay Swash in Beaver Creek, Jane Lulu in Podunk, Missouri. Isn't all of Missouri kind of... Po- eh, never mind. Brock <laughs> in North Dakota. Canuck in Cali. Alan in Clarksville, Tennessee. Tom Corn in Austria. Sean Fitzgerald. Dave Dirt. Scott the Bowtie Man. Todd in Minnesota. Shazam from St. Louis. Jeremy in St. Pete. Aaron in BC, Canada. Chris in Ocoee. Oski, O C O E E. Have fun pronouncing that, Brad. Maybe Steve can help since he's local. That's Ocoee. Ocoee. I wasn't too far off to start no, with that. Uh, Kirk from Friendswood, Garrett Pyle, Jonathan Thompson, Dave Augie August from the 80s Cruise, DJ in Clinton, Peter Ryan in Montreal, Scott in New Hampshire, Kevin Serving Wench, Patrick Thompson, Andrew in Cincinnati, Tim in Toadsuck, and pretty much every other human being who has an email address, knows how to type, and listen to the last show. Yeah, that is all too true. Um, Boy, I'm tired. Sorry, I know, I know. Do you have enough strength, though, to spin the wheel? Oh, it's, I'm gonna let me summon all of the energy. Let me call upon Asgard to fortify me. <laughs> Did you like the one show where I made Jen uh, that spin the wheel? Awesome. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. awesome. It's not like you gave yourself a hernia. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh oh. Let us end our mindless, mind, mindless chit chat because it's about to land on. Ah, uh, Todd in Minnesota. Yes, you are today's winner. So send us your snail mail address to podcast at sit80s.com. And you can join the list of people who are mad at us for not sending out stuff in a more prompt manner. Uh, okay, here we go. 
Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery TV theme song. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com and tune in next week to find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. 8% of 38 is... Plus, move it over. 3, 3, whatever, okay. Um, 38, 39, 40, 41, 97, 97, minus 30, 41, 6, 5, 50, 56. Whenever I get some money, I buy Calvin's. And if there's any left, I pay the rent. Calvin Klein jeans. And we're back. And before we go, we wanted to remind you of our sponsors, HelloFresh, which is still offering $30 off your first week with the promo code RADICAL30. And also, don't forget the 80s Cruise and 80s in the Sand. Reach out to us for promo codes that can save you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on rooms. Also, you can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media Mobile app. Um, before we go, I have some sad news to share. We... Lost a member of the Stuckinese family a few days ago. You probably know her by her nickname um, that we gave her years ago, uh, Vavavoom Julie Nelson. Um, she used to always like to refer to herself as uh, female listener number seven, which which I always thought was adorable. I, I got a message from her husband, Ed, uh, late Friday night that she'd passed away that day uh, after a long health battle that I'd known about, but I kept it between me and Ed and Julie and Brad, um, he and I have been writing back and forth to each other over the last few days. And I wanted to share a little bit about Julie, um, as told through the words of her husband, uh, Ed writes, I just want to let you know about Julie's passing because we both loved your podcast so much. We would always listen to it together. She loved the seggies and was always trying to figure out the answers. She never once cheated and used Google. She often knew the answers more than I sent. I always got busy and failed to send in the answers on time, which drove her nuts. I remember one special day like it was yesterday. I was driving Julie to Stanford Hospital for a checkup. It's like a five-hour drive, and halfway there, she was listening to the part of the podcast where the Segin winners are named. It was the first time you read her name, and you gave her the nickname Vavavum Julie. It was totally out of the blue. She squealed with delight. <laughs> she loved that nickname. Four years ago, Julie spent three months in a hospital with many, many complications. And Stuck in the 80s was one of the things that we were able to listen to together at her bedside while she recovered. It was a piece of normalcy in the hospital while we were surrounded by so much chaos. Stuck in the 80s will always hold a special place in my heart because of how much she enjoyed it. I don't mean for this to be a sad thing for you guys. I want you guys to be happy to know how much it, you mean to your listeners. Be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. I'll be listening and smiling, Ed. Oh, Ed, wow. Just th thank you so much for, for sharing that, sharing your memories and, and 
letting us be a part of your life. I, I asked Ed if we could dedicate a song to Julie, and he mentioned that she was a huge Journey fan and that their Greatest Hits album was playing at her bedside as she passed. So we'll end the show today with Faithfully, and we hope the song's message brings you nothing but memories of her love, Ed. Until next time, 80s Nation sends all our love along the wire as we remain here, hopelessly, stuck in the 80s. Thank you.